Yesterday I looked up a word, and the word is call. C-A-L-L. It's a noun. We do it all the time. I can't believe that in the old days, when I lived here in Salem, we used to have party lines. And you couldn't sometimes make a call. And today, we've got every, almost everybody in the modern world has a mobile device. And we can call all the time. But in this particular case, I was interested in what it, what it means. A cry made as a summons or to attract someone's attention. So a year ago, the process began whereby this body, with those chosen to make decisions, uh, could do this. And I read from Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. This is the NIV. It was he who gave some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And there are some. Called to be pastors. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome you, Nathan, again, and your family. Nathan's prepared to share what's on his heart and give us a message this morning. So, welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Good morning. Again, if I haven't already had a chance to say good morning to you, good morning. Um, did you sleep well last night? Did you sleep better than I did? <laughs> I woke up at 3.13 crazy, isn't it? It's crazy what happens when you get old. <laughs> it depends on who I look at, right? <laughs> um, couldn't sleep for two hours. Um, and uh, just really, I, Mark, if for some reason, if, if there's any, we'll, we'll know if there's feedback. Am I okay? Okay, perfect. Um, so let me ask you this. This, this has been going through my mind a lot this morning, and this is what was going through my mind at 3, 3.13. Are you ready for change? Are you okay for change? And it's, it's really easy for us to say yes to that, hey, I'm ready for change. And, and then to receive change and not like it. I, I spoke this last week with, um, I can't really... He's not like a great friend, but um, a man by the name of Ken who lives in Ohio. And talking with him this last week, he just, he's been a youth pastor like me for 
about as long as I've been a youth pastor. And he just took a small church of about 40 people in Ohio, called to be the, the senior pastor there. And he said, you know, he said, Nathan, they want change. And he said, but then when you start to make the change, it's hard. Um, I want to ask you to really consider that. Do you, really, do you really want change? I think what it comes down to is this. Do I value truth more or tradition more? Because if I value truth more, then I am willing to make the changes where it's necessary, but I never have to compromise the truth because we stand on the truth of God's Word. That doesn't change. And that hopefully is able to give us some peace of mind to know that because God's Word does not change, then as we, as we move forward, if there are changes that are necessary, and there will be changes that are necessary... And isn't it funny that the church is always the ones that have the hard, we have the hardest time in the church to really adjust to the culture. Culture changes all the time. And we, ha- we kind of have a hard time with that. We really do. Um, sometimes rightly so, because our culture has a lot of issues, doesn't it? It really does. But, but you know what? There are changes that must be brought about because, you know what? The generation coming up is extremely important. It really is. And that's, where, that's why I say, do I value truth more than tradition? Because if I value tradition more than truth, then I think that the next generation is in trouble. But if I value truth, that, that gives me freedom in the changes that God will bring about. To, to allow my heart to be at rest, knowing that we stand on the truth of God's word and that does not change. Who Jesus is does not change. The word of God does not change. That will stay the same. But there are changes, I believe. If, if you call me here, there, there will have to be change. There's going to have to be some change. And, and that's something that I am wrestling with, and I must be up front with you. And you must know that. Um, there's a lot of things that I believe probably will not change as well. But it's just that there is, I, the reason I was up for two hours this morning, and part of it was in tears, is because if I am called here, I'm making change. And I know it's only 20 minutes down the road, but I'm making change. So I'm making change, and I'm asking you, are you going to do your part to make the change as well? And that's something I really want you to think about, and I want you to pray about. Um, all right? It's been good to be here. Um, I, uh, I'm going to be back and forth a bit. I hope that's fine. That might be some change, too. <laughs> but you know what? Change is a beautiful thing if it is ordained by God. Um, and also, change is what causes us to really think about that which is truth and about that which is just opinion or that which is tradition. Tradition isn't bad. Tradition is good. We are always making tradition, 
Even younger people are making tradition. I'm a youth pastor. The, the students that I work with, they are good at making tradition. They, they have made it. They just don't realize that it's tradition yet. And in 10 years down the road, they're going to be saying, that's not how we did it back when I was in high school. What's wrong with kids these days? They're going to be saying that. They're going to be saying that, guaranteed. They're going to be saying it. All right. Um, I wanted to bring God's word because, because God's word is, is where it's at. That's the most important. And we're going to look at God's word this morning. And I trust that, that God's word will speak to you because God's word always speaks. That's what I love about being a pastor is all I have to do is get behind God's word and allow God's word to do the work. God's spirit does the work. I just have to be right there with him. All right, and that's what I'm going to do. But I just ask that you would uh, pray with me as, as we, before we dive in here. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this morning that we can gather together. Thank you for this body of believers. These are brothers and sisters in the Lord. I thank you for this time that we can share together. Father, I pray that my words this morning would be your words, that they would be only in agreement with your word. I pray that they would be given by your Spirit's power. It is not me to twist an arm. It is your Spirit who convicts. I thank you for that. But may we give freedom to the Holy Spirit to do his work this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My family, um, we have a place that we like to go. We've been five times now. We went just about a month ago, just three weeks ago probably, over spring break. And it's a house at the beach. We came across it probably three or four years ago. We've been, been five times since. And we love, we love going to this place. And um, it's just south of Lincoln City in Glen Eden Beach, Many of you have probably been there before, been at least through there as you're driving through to Depot Bay. And uh, we stopped in Depot Bay and the, oh, just incredible windstorm um, like I've never seen. And, and just waves just pouring over the highway. My kids wanted to go and stand in it and get wet. They, and they did. That's great. They can do that. They're younger. Um, well, when we go there, you have to know this about, about me and my family. We, uh, I'm going to come down here again, me and my family. We, about three years ago, we got rid of our um, cable TV, all right? Um, we, just, we just chose to do that. It wasn't really out of conviction or anything. It honestly was just like the rates were going up, and we thought, well, we could probably save here. And, uh, and so we went with something called the Roku is what we actually have now. And that's what we use for our, our television, for streaming stuff. Um, but so here's, here's the deal. When we go on vacation and we come to a, you know, we've, we've got cable television, we have to be careful because then we can just sit there and like, okay, now let's make up for lost time and let's watch all these shows that, wow, look at this world of all these different TV stations we can watch. Wow. And there's that part of us that just, okay. So if, 
If my wife has a TV remote, she's going to watch HGTV, all right? That is her, that's what she's going to watch, all right? Chip and Joanna Gaines, Fixer Upper, all right? That is her show, <laughs> okay? And some of you know that show. Um, and you know what? So I've only watched it like once, okay? But I have to say that it is, they're, they're a great couple, a Christian couple, it's really cool how God is, how God is using them. Um, Fixer Upper, that's her show. All right? Okay, so then if Trenton, if he gets the remote, then Trenton is, Dad, let's watch some sports. want to watch some sports, all right? So last night, Trenton was watching the Blazer game. We do have regular TV. We've got 8, 10, and 12, and that's, and like 17, um, and that... That's all we have. Um, but he was able to watch the Blazer game. I was too tired. I was, gonna, I was like, I'm going to bed. You enjoy it. Unfortunately, they lost. Um, third game. Um, so playoffs, made it to the playoffs. But that's what happens when you're playing the Warriors, all right? It's just going to happen that way. So the Blazers are coming to a close here. Um, it, it really looks like, unless there's a miracle, all right? So, but Trenton, uh, he loves sports and whether it's, you know, whether it's basketball, watching the Blazers, or whether it's watching the Timbers play uh, soccer. Um, he loves that. And so Trenton would love to watch sports. My daughter, Olivia, if she's got the remote, then it's going to be probably watching either HGTV. See, she's going to side with my wife. All right. Um, or, or for her, it's Matlock. <laughs> yeah. It's Matlock. Let's watch Matlock. I blame that on my parents. That's, that's grandpa and grandma. That's what happens is she goes to grandpa and grandma's house and they're watching Matlock. And, and she is falling in love with Matlock. Good old Andy Griffith, all right? Um, and then if, if, if it's my youngest son, Carson, who you just saw walk out here, um, I thought maybe he was going to stay in here as dad preached, but that's okay. He decided to go. So if it's my, if it's my youngest son, Carson, then he's cartoons. You know, he's eight years old. Cartoons. Okay, now, this is interesting that his cartoon is a cartoon called, make sure I get this right, Peppa Pig. Have you heard of <laughs> And And I, this, I blame this on my parents again. It's, it's this British um, cartoon. It's, it's a good cartoon. It's, it's a clean cartoon. But I can say this since he's not here. Um, I, it's boring. I, I'm as slow. I'm like, this, this is, this, you're kidding me. I, I grew up, I was a kid in the 80s. All those cartoons were exciting and stuff. And this is just, it's, it's an accent with, with just, I'm just bored. I'm like, you're, and he loves it. Okay, that's what he'd have. All right, so if I have the remote, what am I going to watch? This probably doesn't make sense to most of you, but when I get the remote, I go and I start clicking through and I come across a TV preacher and I stop and I start watching and I watch and my wife says, Nathan, change the channel. Let's watch something else. You're, you're going to watch a preacher? Come on. You're going to watch a preacher for fun? <laughs> You're going to watch a preacher for fun. And I love to do that. I love to watch preachers on TV. 
There's something within me that likes to watch preachers on TV. Now, part of it is this. I, I'm really amazed at sometimes the amount of heresy that comes out of televangelists and how gullible people are. That, that is part of it. And I, part of me stops and says, how come people are so fast to buy this? Now, now don't get me wrong. There are TV preachers out there who are preaching the truth. All right? I, I recognize that. There are some TV preachers out there who are teaching truth. They have just simply watered down, sugar-coated the truth, made it more digestible for our culture in 2017. And then there are those preachers out there who have just simply flat out distorted the truth. They, they just simply distort the truth. Some of those lies might come like this, and you've heard it before from a tele-evangelist. If you would only give to me, your life would be better. If you would only give to this ministry, God will make your life better as he intends it to be. That is the message that is conveyed. Now, I need to come back up here because I do have notes up here. And I'm going to have to look at them every now and then. I've got two problems with that. Two problems with that. One, God's Word does not teach that. That ought to be a problem right there. And two, that does not match reality, which is why God's Word doesn't teach it, because reality only matches the truth of God's Word. Question for you, what do we do, what do you and I do when life doesn't give us what we thought it was going to? To give us. Are you with me? What do we do when life gives us what we thought it was not going to give us? We're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning about John the Baptist, and I believe that he was there. I believe he was there. Take your Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, I forgot to look, but I'm pretty sure I saw one in the front, in the, in the racks there. If you don't have a Bible, you can turn in one of the pew Bibles there to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 11. We're going to look at just five verses this morning. And then we'll talk about these verses. All right? Matthew 11, I'm going to read verses 2 through 6. It says this. When John, that's John the Baptist, when John heard in prison. Did you hear that? When John heard in 
prison. What Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Think about this with me. Think about the setting here. John the Baptist is in prison. John the Baptist is in prison. He's in prison for speaking the truth. There is a part of us, I think, if we are honest, that says this is not fair. This is not fair. This is John the Baptist, forerunner to Christ, who was bold for Christ, and he's in prison. This isn't fair. There, there is a part of us, I think, that says this is the modern-day equivalent if like a Billy Graham or a Franklin Graham were to end up in prison. God, this is not fair. You cannot do this. This is God's man. This isn't fair. He's in prison. And he's in prison because he has spoken the truth. When do we question the Lord's goodness? When do we become uncertain about our faith? When do we doubt that the Lord is really in control? It's when we go through something beyond normal, difficult. I put that in quotation marks. Normal, difficult. It's when we go through something that is beyond normal, difficult. Why do I put that in quotation marks? Because we're good Americans. We know that difficult makes us stronger. We get that. Our society understands this. We say, hey, there's no pain, there's no gain. If you're a coach, you get that. I look at Dave. You get that. You know that. We know that difficult is good, but there's this part of us that says, I'll take difficult as long as it is within my parameters. I want it to be within the parameters that Nate is okay with. Don't go beyond that. God, don't go beyond that. There's a part of us that says that. Normal difficult is children one day experiencing the death of their aging parents. You see, that's difficult. There is pain in that. But we also understand that this is how life works. And so it's difficult, but it's, it is normal difficult, and I am okay with that. Beyond normal difficult is parents who experience the death of their children. That is beyond normal difficult. It is a point when we say, God this is not fair. Normal difficult is getting sick. We all get sick. We know it's part of the fall. We understand that, okay, 
we're going to get sick. And it might be even sickness for a few weeks. And man, I just cannot, I cannot shake this. And there might even be the part of us that says, well, it's just, the, it's just the cross I've got to bear. We might say that. But beyond normal difficult is to have a chronic lifetime disease where the, the doctors are just scratching their heads saying, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. That's beyond normal difficult. Normal difficult is, I know it's a strong word, but hating the job that you have. But, but still you have a job. Beyond normal difficult is to lose the job that you love. And then send your resume out to a hundred different places and hear no or maybe, well, you are overqualified. And you say, God, I don't get it. What, what are you doing here? What are you doing? That is beyond normal difficult. Normal difficult is marital conflict. Beyond normal difficult is a spouse who has been unfaithful. Are you with me? It's the point where we say, God, this is not fair. It's the point where the American dream that I had finds that reality is not matching this. It's when I, what I assumed was supposed to happen is not happening. It's that point. I believe that John, I could be wrong, but I really believe that John is there. He is in a difficult, beyond difficult spot for sure. And maybe he was a bold guy, wasn't he? So, so maybe he just knew that his words were going to get him in trouble one of these days. That's, that's, that's possible. But maybe there was a part of him that said, I've been with Jesus since we were little kids. And I'm in prison. I am in prison? John was there. Look at this question here that John has for Jesus. He says, are you the one who was to come or should we be expecting someone else? Ouch. Ouch. Do you hear the sting in that? Are you the one who was to come or should we be expecting someone else? There is a sting there. Are you the one who was to come? Are you the one who was prophesied from of old? Are you the one who was to come or should we be expecting someone else? Think about the two guys who had to go. John's two disciples. Think about these two guys who had to go. And, and deliver this message for John in a prison cell. I, I just picture these guys walking along to go find Jesus. Walking along. We're going to ask this question? You ask it. I'm not asking it. And I, no, you're going to ask that. I'm not asking it. You ask it. You're older. You ask it. The young buck needs to learn how to ask these kind of questions. They must have been wrestling with this. How are we going to ask it? Let's rock, paper, scissors it. Let's, we're going to figure this out some way. 
fine, we'll do it together. And I don't know, this is, this is just how my mind works. They must have, when they, when they arrived where Jesus is, is I, I just picture he, he probably just performed another miracle. And there's this part of him saying, Argh! and we have to ask this question for John. He's making, a, he's making us do this dirty work. I don't want to do this. Going to Jesus. Jesus, John sent us with a question. Jesus, the question that John has, well, maybe we should just read it. Maybe Here's the question. Are you the one who was to come? Or should we be expecting someone else? That's what John is asking. But think about the raw emotion in that question. I think there is this part of John who I believe knew the truth. Knew the truth. You know, a lot of times we already know the truth, don't we? God the Spirit already speaks to us and we know the truth. We just are wrestling with it. And sometimes we just need the affirmation of this is what you do. But I think there is this part of John that is saying, you go ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or do we expect someone else? Because I don't want to be in a prison cell for a fake, phony, mock Messiah. If that's what I am here for, I don't like it. I think there is raw emotion in this. I really believe there is. But I want you to think also about Jesus who made it safe for John to ask such a question. Jesus who made it safe for John to ask a question like this. Jesus wasn't afraid of this question. And Jesus is not afraid of our questions either. These kind of questions do not dictate who Jesus is. Jesus remains the same. But he made it safe for John to come and ask this question. Think about Jesus' reply. First, think with me how Jesus would have replied if he was not the Messiah. Are you with me? If he was not the Messiah. Think about how authority responds when it is being questioned. It gets defensive, doesn't it? Authority gets defensive when it's being questioned. And I think if Jesus was not the Messiah, there would have been this part of him that probably would have responded in the flesh, kind of like this, oh, come on, John. You've been with me all these years. Get on board, John, or we are through. That's the flesh. That's how the flesh would respond. I love how Jesus responds. 
Because it is, it is so, in, in many ways, typical of how Jesus responds often. It's not a, you ask the question, here's the yes or no. He doesn't do that. He says, you go tell John this message, and here's the message. You go tell him, tell John that the blind receive sight. Tell him that the lame walk. Tell him that the leprous are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is preached to the poor. You go tell John that. Meaning, here is the evidence. You go tell and present the evidence to John, and you allow John to connect the dots. You allow him to do that. When this message arrived back at John's prison cell. I wonder, did he ever figure out? Did he connect the dots that in order for, these, for this miraculous to happen, there must be blind people, there must be lame people, leprous people, deaf people, even dead people? And poor people. In order for the miraculous to take place. This difficult must exist. The difficult has got to exist. If there is going to be the miraculous. Did John connect the dots? I don't know. Jesus' response. Affirms what Isaiah the prophet spoke of. Concerning the coming Messiah. Affirming the truth of who Jesus is, affirming the truth that He is the Messiah. I think in essence, so, His response would also indicate that, John, the only reason why there is any good happening in any of this is because Jesus is here. The only reason there is any beauty in all of this mess here is because Jesus is here. John, that is the reason why there is good happening. The rest of the story isn't pretty, is it? So, if you, you don't need to turn there right now, But if you were to turn over just a few pages, you would read the account of when King Herod had Herodias' daughter come and dance before him. And he said, I will grant whatever your request is. To which Herodias said, you go ask for the head of John the Baptist to be served on a platter. And that is exactly what she got. It's not fair. God, it it is not fair. I was talking with, two days ago, I was talking with a, a student of mine who is just wrestling 
with a lot of things that are not fair. That's hard. I don't have words for that. I don't have words. I said the only thing I can do is listen, love, and pray and walk with you. So as a shepherd, that's all I can do. I wish I, wish I had a magic formula of, oh, there we go. Can't do that. But I can listen, I can love, and I can pray for you, and I can walk with you through that. Life gets hard, doesn't it? It does. A year ago, I read a book called um, The Jesus-Centered Life by Rick Lawrence. Rick Lawrence is a man I respect. I have a lot of respect for him. I've been privileged to sit under his leadership um, a, a few handful of times over the last five years. He works for a group publishing out in Colorado, and just a neat man. And as I read his book, I could almost hear everything that Rick had taught us, a group of youth pastors. I was like, I remember when he said this. I remember where he said this. I remember how he said this. Rick understands pain. His wife um, has medical issues. Doctors cannot figure it out. They, they just, they cannot figure it out. And, and so they have been walking this road for a long time. So a big thing in this book, the jesus Center life that Rick talks about, is he talks about the brutal realities of life. The brutal realities of life. And it's true, isn't it? You know, you don't have to live too long before you start to realize that life can actually be kind of brutal. It really can be hard. There are brutal realities in life. And he talks about that. But he also talks about, in the midst of the brutal realities of life, he talks about our prevailing hope. Our prevailing hope. Who is Jesus? Jesus is our prevailing hope. All of us get brutal reality, don't we? The person who believes in Christ gets brutal reality. The person who rejects Christ, whether it is flat-out rejection of Jesus or just simply apathy of, eh, don't really care, also gets brutal reality. I pity the person who does not know Christ because all that person has is brutal reality. There is no prevailing hope. The person who does not know Christ only has brutal reality. But prevailing hope reminds me that if there is prevailing hope, then there must also be something to be prevailed over. There must be brutal reality. It is a part of life. The difficulty in life. It's what causes us to say... Is my focus on Christ 
like it should be? Or is my focus on the things of this world that I am looking to for hope? Or is my hope found in Jesus? Is my hope there? Jesus told John one more thing. He sent those two disciples with one more message. And it was this. You go tell John this. Blessed is the man or woman. Blessed is the man or the woman who does not fall away on account of me. You go tell him that. You go tell him. Blessed is the man or the woman who does not fall away on account of me. Go tell John that. We need to remind ourselves of that too. Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of Christ. Thinking this through, how do you and I respond when Jesus does not fit our parameters? How do you and I respond when Jesus works outside of what we thought was how he was supposed to work? The only thing that I can come up with is I must draw new parameters. Because if Jesus is working, and if he is working outside of how I work, because he can be trusted, and because what he does is ultimately good, then I will, by the grace of God, draw new parameters. My parameters are human. It's how Nate thinks. But I am reminded of the truth of who God is. God reminds us my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts, my very thoughts are higher than your thought. I'll go with his way and I will draw my parameter bigger I will draw my parameter different. What difficulties have you encountered? What difficulties have you encountered recently? God, by His Spirit, speaks to us. And as as I've been speaking, His Spirit is the one who ultimately speaks. And He's the one who says, this is maybe where you have drawn your parameters. This is maybe where you need to be expanding your parameters. This is maybe where Jesus is calling you in a different direction. Or this is maybe where you just need to draw different parameters and allow God to be God. And finally, are you anchored in Jesus? Are you anchored in who Jesus is, the truth of who Jesus is? Because He is. He is our prevailing hope. He is our prevailing hope. This message is pretty simple. Life isn't all roses. We get that, don't we? Um, I'll I'll share this really quick. Um, I shared this with the the search committee. Five five and a half years ago, I was um, diagnosed with valley fever. I was on a mission trip in Southern California, and I 
um, came back and I got sick. And I, I went to the doctor. I thought I had the flu. And I just, I went and went to my doctor. And I really thought, my thought was, Doc, just give me something so I can get better. And then he began to scratch his head and he said, I don't know what you have. You don't have something normal. Um, did some, drew some blood, did some blood work and realized that my white cell count was extremely high and that my body was fighting some kind of infection. And, uh, and so for the last five years, and it's, it's a lifetime disease that I have, um, it's, it's something that, that I've had and I've just, I have realized, I've realized how short life can be I, was, I couldn't go to work for nine weeks. I was in bed. I had migraines for 14 days straight. They couldn't, they couldn't figure out a way to cause the pain to go away. Um, those are trying times. Those are, those are just, just flat-out difficult times. Um, three years ago, three and a half years ago, my doctor who is here in Salem, a good, really good doctor, I, I praise the Lord for him, Dr. Gerard. Praise the Lord for that, that man. Um, but he, he got to the point where he was scratching his head and he said, Nathan, I don't know what to do. I'm going to send you to Phoenix. Sent me to Phoenix. I, I saw a doctor down there. This was in the, at the end of 2013. And um, my wife and I were able to fly down there together. I was thankful to have my wife there. I needed her. I really needed her. Um, and she was there for me. Um, after 10 minutes of visiting with this doctor, who's kind of like the guru of fungal diseases, which is what valley fever is, a lot of people up here in Oregon have never even heard of it because you can't get it up here. You, it's, it's down in like the Arizona area, um, Phoenix area. Um, it's down in Bakersfield, California area, which is where I contracted it. But within 10 minutes, the doctor said, you need to have a VP shunt put in you. And I thought he meant like a stint. I said, a, a, a stint? He said, oh, no. He said, a stint is like this. A shunt is like this. Wow. Um, and and it, was, it was just a lot to take in. And a month later, that was November 2013, December, week before Christmas, December 18th, I was down there with my wife, and I had a surgery, brain surgery. They insert, inserted in the back of my head they drilled two holes in my skull. I have those holes still to this day. and Well, to the day I die. They inserted a, um, a tube down my body, made an injection right, right down here in my abdomen area. I've got a tube that goes from here to here. I praise, I praise the Lord because you know what? That doctor down there in Phoenix was right. Um, my health... After that, I, I feel like I'm actually about back to normal. I know that there's those people that would say, no, you're not normal at all. But that, that's okay. <laughs> I share that because I, I get in my own way that life isn't all roses. After I had that, I had a number of old people who I had known for years, who came to me and shared story after story after story after story after story 
of pain, of difficulty, of things that they have gone through, of losing children. I didn't even know that they had lost. Life isn't all roses, is it? It's difficult. It is difficult. There is more to this life than this life alone. You know, and, and if, if it wasn't difficult, I think that we would just kind of take root here and we would just get used to it. And we would say, I'll just make this my home. And it would never cause us to look to the Lord. Life isn't all roses. Back to what I was going to conclude with. This message is pretty simple. <laughs> life isn't all roses. Because life got hard for John, he questioned Jesus. Jesus wasn't afraid of John's question, and he isn't afraid of ours. John changed. His circumstances changed. Jesus stayed the same. Jesus always remains the same. Why? Because he is our prevailing hope. It's who he is, it's what he does. He stayed the same. John was the one who was wavering. He was in prison, and because of that, he was thinking, I don't know about this. Jesus affirmed the truth of who he is. We need to remind ourselves of the truth of who Jesus is. And when life gets difficult, that's the time for us to remind ourselves of the truth of who Jesus is. Reminding ourselves of that. Now, I don't know because Scripture doesn't tell us But this truth, if John allowed it, would have helped him persevere for the remainder of his days in a prison cell. In a prison cell. And this same truth, regardless of what we are going through, and we all go through various things, regardless of what we go through, the truth of who Jesus is is what carries us. It's what allows us. It's what keeps us. It's what helps us persevere. God, Lord God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the work of Christ. That truth, the truth of who he is, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth of who he is, is what brings us in right relationship with you, God. I thank you for that. It also is the truth of who, the truth of who Jesus is, is also what, what allows us to get through the difficulties of life. I thank you for that. Father, we give you praise today. Thank you for this time in which your word can speak and challenge us. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.